Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Welcome to another week. It's been a long time since I've had a, I I didn't even ask you. Um, I made the assumption that you identify as male, but that is, this is not, I literally did not ask. So is, let's start there. Do you identify with he, him pronouns? Yes. yes. Fantastic. Okay. Then this is the best answer. start of a show that I've been on. So I love right? that. So, it's going to yes, be amazing. So here's my intro. It's been a long time since I've had a male guest on the show. Um, we've had a couple of men who've experienced abortions. We've had, um, well, we've had a few. One wrote an incredible book. If you don't know about it, I'm looking over at my bookshelf. Um, God, if you're ever interested, it's just a fascinating story. It's this little square book. Anyway, I'll I'll link to that show in the um, podcast notes. But um. What happened is I think I posted in a podcast group that I was looking for guests to do some batch recording and um, and you very generously offered to share your story about an abortion experience, um, from my understanding, near the close of a relationship. So we're going to hear all about your story. Um, but before we do that, jump in with how you want to introduce yourself to this audience today. I find that much more valuable than reading a bio about you. <laughs> Very nice. So uh, my name is Jesse, and I am originally from Pennsylvania. I lived in South Korea for um, for about seven years. I've been living here in Spain for about 10. Uh, I spent 17 years as an English teacher and then became a father, and I got into coaching and personal development work. And really what I like to do is help parents, very kind of appropriate for this topic um, in some ways, because help parents deal with this feeling of parenting guilt that mm -hmm. we all kind of face. Uh, we right. all wanna do the best job. We wanna raise yeah. kids better than we were, right? I A lot of people say raise kids to have better things than I had. I don't really care about that. I want them to be better people than I am. Yeah. And, uh, but we suffer guilt as a result. So I help manage that and, um, and help parenting be fun and enjoyable. Amazing. Okay. So Swede is Jesse's last name. If you just want to close the show now and go look at his work. <laughs> I, do after the show. I do remember that now that I went to your profile. Cause of course, when anyone says, I want to share my story or I have something to share on your podcast I'm like okay I gotta do a little sleuth thing just to make sure this person isn't obviously a bad fit um and I remember thinking oh parenting guilt how perfect welcome to the show Jesse <laughs> <laughs> right um yeah 
Oh, fascinating. Okay. So we definitely need to talk about your expertise in, in just the emotion of guilt and how that comes to play for us as humans and as parents. Um, many, 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 many of my listeners and my clients are um, already parents. So I think the statistic is like 65% of people who have abortions already have children. It's not like Ooh. young teens, right? It's like they know the responsibility of having children. They understand the sacrifice and the joys and the hardship, and they choose abortion knowing what it is to be a parent. But that creates this interesting, complex dynamic because we, we know... Um, we also know the joy that we're giving up, the love that we're saying goodbye to, the possibility that's out there. So there's a lot of parenting guilt. A ton of my clients um, were untangling the story like I'm a bad mom. Um, I've done harm to one of my children. Like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of parenting guilt in the family planning decision for abortion. Well, I didn't know that statistic and I would, um, we'll get into this, I'm sure, yeah. but I fall into that statistic. Absolutely. So, okay. Do you want to start with just sharing, like, what made you say yes to, to sharing a bits and pieces of your story, um, here, um, maybe tell like whatever version, like brief version of your story is a good yeah, kickoff. Sure. That's a great question, because uh, what made me interested in sharing my story here and come on your show? For one, it's very unique. It's not like another business podcast or another mindset podcast or something. It's very unique. And it's a topic. And I really enjoy talking about topics that are taboo to talk about. Yeah. People don't come on and talk about things like abortion unless they have their agenda. Yes, and exactly. Right. And that's not fair because there's a lot of gray area that doesn't yeah. get talked about because the extreme version, you know, extreme opinions are so outspoken. So I like bringing up on my content, bringing up things like, you know, discipline and punishment and and things like that. Let's get this stuff out in the open. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Because the more that we can get it out of the open and normalize this kind of conversation, mental health is another one. The more we can normalize these conversations, the more we can come to better decisions. So that's what yeah. um, led me to want to be on a guest on this show and plus my experience. So I come with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have found, I don't know what age you tend to work with, like what parenting, is it like young, like little littles or like, do you have a age gap that you tend to talk about parenting around? Uh, Probably the younger ages, like okay. under, like under 10-ish. My kids are eight and six. Okay. And, but I've taught teens, teens were my favorite ages yeah. to teach because I yeah. get them. I understand them. Yeah. But, um, but there's a difference. Are you a parent? Are you a mother? Well, this is what I was about to say. I have okay. three. I have three. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. So you know that until you reach a certain level of, of parenting, you can have all the theories you want and all the opinions you want. You don't have that ex that experience. So yeah. per my per given my own personal experience as a parent, um, I say content 
based on the younger ages. Yeah. I find as a parent that it gets harder as you go. Like some of it gets easier, obviously, like they can stay home alone or they can drive. (laughs) And then pieces of it get so much harder and so much more taboo. Right. Mm. So I'll be fascinated to watch your work um, grow and change as your kids age. So I have an adult daughter who's 19. She lives um, 2000 miles away from me. Um, she moved to be in the mountains because she's a big time skier and she wants to. So she's a ski full time ski patrol out in Colorado. Um, so I have an adult daughter. I have a 16 year old who'll be 17 next month and I have a 10 year old. So I have quite the spread and I don't know. I think that parenting I'm a little bit wishing for you I'm like how can I sell Jesse this concept no (laughs) (laughs) there's so much content about parenting younger especially babies and toddlers but like there's so much content you can like you can fill a library with parenting books until you get to the teenagers, until you get to parenting young adults and everything changes. Like it becomes a completely different ball game. And um, maybe, you know, people more focused on that work, or maybe that will become you as you learn (laughs) from experience, but it is, it is a trip to move into parenting teens and young adults. I can imagine. Beautiful. Amazing. That I can imagine too. And um, I kind of, I have too much, I guess, respect for, I don't know how, so many coaches coach on theory that they've learned. And without personal experience, I have experience as, like I said, teaching teenagers, classrooms of teenagers, like 30 at a time. Um, And that's its own set of challenges but it's not the same as having them at home. And I think if I were to focus on helping people or creating content for that, it would be a lot theory. And at this um, point, yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. I never, ever, ever could have talked about abortion the way I talk about abortion until I had one. Like I couldn't have even come a fraction like to a fraction of the depth of what I understand now having been through. And I've only been through one experience, my experience, but. Yeah. um, And then it comes into like, either you're on team it's murder or team like whatever woman's body. It's it's just healthcare. No big deal. (laughs) Like, no, like it's like this policy argument and, um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. cheers to all that. I poured myself some coffee today in a mug my daughter made for me that says incredible mother, worst spider catcher, future best-selling author. There you go. <laughs> so let's um let's jump back to the abortion content. Um tell me, like, do you want to give us a little rundown of your story just so we have a sense of like what what your per- where you're coming from, the lens you're coming from um in terms of choosing abortion, you know, moving forward past abortion and maybe someday talking to your kids about abortion. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me. I know you don't have many male guests. Um, and, and again, like, I do want to be careful to say, like, it's my experience that, you know, I'm giving, 
um, as a partner, which is very valid, you know, to like a lot of people are on like her body, her joy, but there yeah. is a father involved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that's my experience. Yes. So, um, I was very supportive and I was very much like, dude, like your body, um, like this is going to be growing in your body. We were kind of at a toxic place in our relationship when this, when we found out she was pregnant again, yeah, yeah, we have two kids and we were not in a financial place that it looked like it would be a good situation to have another one. And that was a big root for a lot of our dissension and everything. I'm kind of a person where like, and I said this to her, I was like, well, like it's your choice. If the only reason to do this is money, then I would recommend against it because there are a lot of people in worse situations that we have that have that go by just fine. And yeah. they have another family yeah. of three. Um, but like, this is your decision. And so, because there was a lot more than just finances, obviously there yeah. was a bad relationship and yeah. we ended up terminating it. Um, which we are really great co-parents and we're really good mm -hmm. friends, yeah. much better than Wonderful. a married couple, which yeah, is a big blessing. Yeah. And, uh, so we, she decided to have it. She scheduled an appointment. Um, and I was just like focused. We had a new baby and then, uh, a toddler who was two years older than that. And so I was focused on them. Okay. She went, uh, it was the day of the abortion for her appointment and she comes in and, and says, bye. And then I just tell her something I haven't told. Her. I was like, Hey, if you, um, if you get there and you change your mind, like I support you, like mm. it's fine. Yeah. And she said, when I, when I said that, it took a big weight off of her shoulders mm. and she um, felt more comfortable in making a decision. Mm. So that was really interesting too. Yeah. And for me, it like, if there's not really this emotional like baggage or whatever you want to say, like, it's really not, I think it's a different kind of relationship. Yeah. It's not living in my body. So there's not really a strong emotional tie that I feel like yeah. it's not like yeah. loss or like, I remember the date. I remember when I was moving out and she was like going through a bunch of, you know, stacks of papers. She got to it. She's like, holy crap. This mm -hmm. is like the appointment of my abortion. Yeah. You know, she found that and like, it just kind of threw her back. But I don't have really an emotional and I'm an I'm an emotional person. Like I'll cry to any movie. <laughs> like yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but I it's not like I have this in like emotional connection. It was what it was and yeah. And it was a shame, but at the same time it's not a shame because I never knew it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I think that's pretty common and I think it makes sense right like i think sometimes um people who have had abortions women will come to me and say you know he doesn't understand or i just wish he felt what i felt or he doesn't seem sad at all or he it doesn't even seem like he cares and like i get 
that want for someone else to be in it with you, that want for someone else to understand what you're going through, that want for the person whose genetic material was a part of that decision. But I think biologically, it makes absolute sense that you would not feel what we feel, right? Like, literally, do you know this fact? Like, when you lose a pregnancy, either by birth, like healthy births, by miscarriage, a spontaneous abortion, or a chosen termination, the cells of that pregnancy, like, disperse into the woman's body, like, literally. And so... If I had, say, liver cancer later or lung cancer or like, and you went in, you find cells from that pregnancy working to heal the body. It is like the craziest science ever. But like, literally, we have a vastly different experience than any partner who has, you know, been in this decision with us. So I understand why we who have abortions want our partners to feel what we feel. Um, but I think we have to be realistic, but that this is, that's not how life works. Like this is just not how human biology works. Like I, we, we carry, we decide ultimately, like my husband was the same right way, right? Like I have feelings and thoughts about this, but ultimately it's your choice. It's your body. And so it does, ultimately it is our decision. We are the ones who decide in the end, um, some by choice, some by more pressure, but of course we feel differently. So I, I appreciate you saying out loud, like, I don't have strong emotional ties to this, but also in such a way that's like, that doesn't mean I don't believe you when you do, right? It's like, yeah. When yeah. your when your ex um, found that paperwork, it's not like what's wrong with you. Why I don't understand why you're reacting that way. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah I I can yeah. see that that's emotional for you. Yeah, yeah. Like you're the um, carrier, right? You're not only the carrier, you're the the grower. You know, and something I realized when she was um, pregnant the first time because you learn this and then you know it the second time around. But like your whole body, the your bones shift to open up and make room, your organs shift. So your whole body is changing to make room for this new life. So it completely makes sense that there are these emotional ties and this feeling of loss that you have. And and like you said, and I appreciate that, it it does make sense that we don't. And that's okay too, because like if somebody that I really love and care about loses their mother, for example, I'm going to have a big different reaction to that. Perfect example. It was a perfect example. Yeah. Yep. Um, one thing you did mention, and I remember this being, I remember processing this question my own when I was making my own choice was like, if I had a million dollars in my bank account, would I still be making this decision? And I joked a little bit that, I have joked and still do joke a little bit that if I did have a million dollars, I would have hired no pair and then had, you know, kept the pregnancy. Um, But that's a really easy thing to like say or to joke about. But when I thought about it, like when I when I still had that pregnancy and I really, and mine was seven years ago now. So when I really thought about it, it was easy to say that finances were the biggest cause or the only reason, but it really wasn't. It was like a, 
it almost would have been a cop out if I said, oh, we did this for financial reasons. Because the truth was when I really sat with the reality of our situation and what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and the age of my other children and the state of our relationship, which ours was actually in a really good place that I didn't want to compromise. Mm. Um, I could have said finances are the only reason, but they never are. <laughs> they never are. No. And I really, I wanted other things. And so I think sometimes, um, we latch onto a reason like finances being the only one and it, and it just, it's almost never true. I I've never met a single person that has one reason they have an, an abortion, right? It's yeah. this layered, messy, complex thing um, that creates a choice. And yeah. Anyway, that yeah. stuck out for me. I just wanted to, to bring that up. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's fair. And something like abortion like if someone just does blame, you know, have one source, one reason, I wouldn't believe them anyway, because it's such a, an ex, like a deep decision. Like if you do make it just for one, like a lot of people will use money. I think it's because it's the easy. It's answer. easy. Yeah. But if it were just one other thing, like we're fighting a lot, <sighs> like that's a reason to like, that's not the only reason. Right. So it is yeah. this multi-layered thing. And I think, um, that's another thing going back to our first conversation, I think by opening this up and, um, and having conversations like this, I think people can be a little more honest with themselves about things like this. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. I did mention it very briefly, but have you, as, as a, um, male partner in the situation who doesn't like Clients come to me, they think about their abortion every single day, sometimes decades later. So I am assuming from the story you've told so far that that is not the case for you. But when you think about it, do you imagine having conversations with you? Because this is another question I get all the time. Like, how do I tell my kids? How do I how do I live with myself if I don't tell my kids? Like, how do I parent through not just like talking about abortion for my kids' choices, but talking about abortion as a choice I've made. Have you ever thought about how you will have these conversations with your kids? I don't know that I've thought about it, but um, I've thought about having other conversations. Usually, like, um, we're very open, you yeah, know. we are. Too. And I'm not really embarrassed by much. And just like having this conversation out in the open like I'm very much that way with them too. So yeah. I'm not. And in fact, I, <laughs> I asked my mom one time because she was 19 when she had me. Mm -hmm. And I asked her one time, I was like, why didn't you have an abortion? Like you're 19 yeah. year old. Yeah. Like you have no money. You're, you know, I don't know. Like she was like either living in a bad situation or in my dad's parents' house in the attic like, did that ever cross your mind? Like, because yeah. I have asked her that. So it's not something that, like, if she would have said, yeah, we actually went to the clinic, I wouldn't have been like, oh, my God. You, you know, almost got rid I, of me. <laughs> I, yeah. I was almost surprised a little bit when she said she never thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. never an option for her. And yeah. um, so it's not something that I think I 
usually conversations with kids, things are only a big deal if we make them a big deal. Yeah. Because they have yeah. the emotional baggage to us. They don't have it to them. Like if I had a, you know, if she learns it in biology in, in like fifth grade or whatever, I don't know what grade they learn about that. But um, be like, yeah, you know, your mom had one. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Totally. What do you, what do you know is true about yourself? Or what do you believe about yourself or humanity that lets you have that transparency and um, vulnerability? I have an answer myself because I'm the exact same way with my kids, but I'm curious what you would say. Like, what do you believe that makes it, um, that, that makes, makes it so you the kind of person who would do it? I was going to say so easy, but it's not even... Like, I wouldn't say it's easy for me to talk to my kids about sex or abortion or abuse or like hard subjects. It's not easy, but I believe things that allow me to overcome the fear of doing it, right? Like, mm -hmm. I believe things about myself and humanity in the world that say, okay, this is uncomfortable, but we're doing it anyway. So like, yeah. what do you believe that allows you to parent the way you parent? Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, I, th I also wanted to say this when I um opted or asked to come on your show about this yeah. is because of my history now we're getting in belief my belief history i used to be a strong evangelical christian oh. uh the time that would the kind this that it's getting would, better and better <laughs> <laughs> the kind that would like be on a subway and talk to you yeah. about Jesus. like yeah. that oh me. this is amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you can imagine what my opinion on abortion was I can. And so um, coming full circle or not even coming full circle because I don't, you know, I'm the exact opposite, really. But um, I've always kind of been strong in what I believe, whether it, no matter it was. But the thing now that I've come since leaving strict Christianity, going, leaving that to the exact opposite, as you would imagine, to like almost like evangelical atheism, like listening to Christopher Hitchens and uh, things like that, Richard Dawkins, uh, to now like being almost like spiritually open, um, yeah. understanding God in a different way, not God as in like a religious dogmatic thing, but more like of an energy, like a yeah. force of life. Yeah. Uh, I've come to realize I'm not attached to any belief, so I'm not afraid to be wrong. Oh, and that's like, it right there. Yeah. Huge. And like, if I do like say something to my kids, talk about, have like a sex talk or something and then yeah. realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that that way or, or even punishment or discipline or yeah. you blow it up or whatever. Like I am very open to apologizing, very open to um, not doing that again, you know, and to admitting that I'm human. And I think that's mm. what makes it so, you know, me so open to talk to them because I'm not afraid to be wrong. Yeah. Okay, let's take it a step further. Um, I'm not afraid to be wrong because. Mm. Because what? Um, <laughs> not afraid to be wrong because I, I probably am in some ways. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to be wrong because... Being wrong mean, uh, yeah, that first one was kind of like tongue in cheek, but being wrong means that I, I'm learning. Yeah. Okay. Love it. 
Right. Um, I'm not afraid to be wrong because, yeah, I'm not afraid of that learning. Yeah. It's And, how and being I, wrong. it's how I learn. It's a way that I expand my understanding. It's, um, I mean, for me, it's like, I'm not afraid to be wrong because I trust myself to like adapt through that, to grow through that, to like learn from that, to be curious about that. Yeah. Um, And, and like, it's kind of like my, I'm not attached to any belief. So being wrong, I'd rather know that I'm wrong rather than be stuck to being wrong and think that I'm right when I'm really wrong. You know, it's kind of like my son is six and he has this friend at school and the same friend, he'll say, you know, did you know that like a million is the highest number? And you could tell him, it's Yeah. like, well, there is no highest number. Yeah, friend said, like the friend, he, Yeah, he knows totally. everything, another six-year-old. And Yeah. so like, you could either be like a million is the highest number and be stuck to that. Yeah. Or you can be like, hmm, okay, I was wrong about that. Now I'm not, you know, and I think that's the thing with being open to being wrong and knowing that you're wrong. having it shown to you they're wrong and then sometimes people will be like be like you know they could have their beliefs and then argue with you but you don't have to have you don't have an emotional attachment I think that's another thing I'm not emotionally Mm -hmm. attached to my opinions Yeah. so if somebody else Mm, blows up at me so good. that's your problem dude like Yeah. the earth's flat uh no it's not but Yeah. I see that you believe that <laughs> Well, the Earth's flat's a great example because, like, for me, I'm like, um, I'm not attached to the fact that the Earth is round. If I learn someday that it's flat, I will say, huh, I was wrong about that. Oh, that's Right? true. I would It's have like never thought that, 99.99999% you know, like. <laughs> of me believes that the Earth is not flat. But if I'm wrong about that, it's sort of like you, right? Like, I um, I have very similar spiritual beliefs, I think. And sometimes I'll say, like, you know, if I, like, become an evangelical Christian or become a devout Mormon or become a, and someday I believe that is true, like, maybe that will happen. I'm 99.9999999% true, positive that it won't, but... I'm not attached to the opinion that I will never believe the earth is flat or I will never be an evangelical Christian. Like, I'm like, okay, we're going to find out. And also like, none of us really know. <laughs> Maybe it's not flat or round. Maybe, I mean, okay, this is getting into really messy territory. Yeah. <laughs> We're living on a square earth. But maybe it's like some weird round warp that we thought was completely <laughs> round, but actually elongates out into some other bizarre direction. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, none of us really know and everything's always changing. And we can believe all these things about our abortion stories, right? It's like, did I make the wrong decision? None of us really know and everything's always changing. We can And and say like... Go yeah, ahead. sorry. Um, like the word wrong, and I, I'd imagine that does come up a For lot sure. Yeah. with abortion. Did I make the wrong decision? Um, and that's a value statement. And value statements aren't 
necessarily right or wrong. It's a, yeah. it's a value statement. Where do you value this? What's the sliding scale on, you know, whether it was the best decision or the worst decision or, or whatever, it's a sliding scale. Yeah. And it's a value decision that uh, it's a value statement that we put on it. So was it wrong? Well, if you go around your whole life and judge yourself, punish yourself, um, say how you're terrible. And maybe if you have other kids mistreat them out of the self frustration and self anger that you have, that's probably not the healthiest. That's probably wrong, but the decision yeah, like that's a value statement. And I don't think there is a right or wrong. It's just, that's what happened. And it's kind of like a, one of the sentence patterns that I teach that I use with my kids. And I love it when they throw this back at me. <laughs> um, the One of the words that we're not allowed to say, it's this, I don't, I'm not really strict with swear words. Like they can swear. They don't, my son does, but like, like, yeah. but the one thing we're not allowed to say is fault. Like it's somebody's fault. Uh... And, um, but I'll, you know, when somebody says it's fault, I'll say, it's nobody's fault. It happened. Yes. It's nobody's fault, you know? And I love that oh. when I take responsibility, but I don't say I'm responsible for that. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Like my little six-year-old son would be like, it's nobody's fault. It happened. God, that's so amazing. That's so Thank good. You. I yeah. love that. And, and the same thing with abortion. If if anyone's listening and, and again, like, Take what I say from my perspective. If you are struggling with self-punishment, you're punishing yourself, that's not going to change anything moving forward except for make things worse because nothing good comes out of guilt and blame and shame. And that's including for ourselves. And um, self-forgiveness is the best thing you can do for if you have current kids it's the best thing you can do for yourself and it's the best most honoring thing you can do for the decision that was made you're just nailing like all the things we talk about all the time (laughs) i love it it's perfect i mean dealing Uh, with like i deal with parent same thing really it's just different you know different reasons it really is. And I, I talk to a lot of my clients about this. It's like clients for who, uh, for instance, who come to me with strong guilt, right? Abortion is your invitation to understand that guilt, to understand where it's coming from, to understand the layers of it, to understand how you want to navigate around it, to understand, like, to explore and become a more expanded version of yourself because of it. Yes. And once you do that around abortion, guess what? You become a different parent. You become a different employee. You become a different friend. Like, let's not look at this just for the sake of abortion. Let's look mm-hmm. at this so we can live fuller, brighter, like more expansive lives. Mm, um, yes. It's- and so it's like the the Native Americans, I learned this in elementary school. I, I'm just assuming it's true. I haven't done research to fact check. Uh, and it's based on my own memory from elementary school. But I like this story. So I'm going with it. Um, so when the, the Native Americans would make a kill on a buffalo, let's say, they would first honor and thank the thing for giving its life. Yes. They would honor it. And one thing they would do, they wouldn't let any part of that go to waste. 
They would use the blood for dye. They would use the mm-hmm. bones for weapons or jewelry, the skin for clothes and, and shelter. Like they wouldn't let any part go to waste out of honor for this thing giving its life. So when, if I think the best way to honor this decision is to not trample yourself and not to let this go to waste, but use it to grow because ultimately it was a decision that happened. So if you can use it to create a better life for you and others, I think that's the best way that you can honor that decision. I'm so with you. I have a four-part series early, early. I told you um, when we got on that I'm over 200 episodes in and I have an early series way back at like 20 or something that's called Honor Your Abortion. And it's four Mm. parts. Um, I use that word a lot. Um, I'm 100% with you. And I think that story is a, a great way to look at this. Yeah. Is there anything you came on thinking you would share and haven't or anything that's come up that you feel like some listener needs to hear or because it's three parts, I guess, or any tool you love about exploring guilt that may be useful for. Mm, Interesting. Awesome. Okay. That was a lot of choices. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of choices. I'll see if I can. So uh, anything that we didn't cover that I expected to know, because I did sneak that evangelical Christian past. (laughs) I was going to, that's good. Because, well, let me take that side's position just because people with abortions, they might see yeah. protesters yeah. Um, because I think understanding both sides is kind of a way. Uh, so Ooh, juicy. I like this. <laughs> but it is that side's perspective because you've been yeah. in it. You're not you don't just know about it like I know about it and I can put myself in their shoes as best I can. But like, you know it, you you felt it in your bones at one point in your life. Yeah. And so it's a belief and our beliefs are strong. Like yeah. nobody thinks that they're the bad guy. Everyone thinks they're the good guy, even terrorists who blow up buildings or whatever. Yeah. Like everybody true. thinks they're the good guy. And for that side, they are in their minds honoring life, even though many of the policies that say they support don't honor life that's already here. But like that's aside from the fact, like they think they're honoring their belief system is honoring life and their belief system, which is God, they put a label on their idea of what God is. And that ideal version of, you know, God is against this. That means they're against this. So it is, they're putting value on this life, this hypothetical life. And I I don't want to say hypothetical because it is life to, I'm getting into a territory that I don't really my understand. My audience knows this conversation well. Like I call it a baby, even though I know it was like a clump of in in recognizable tissue. Like I Yeah. It's, and messy. it's a question we of like it. when does it start? Does it start yeah. when the heart beats? Does it start yeah. when you know? So and I don't really know. And that kind of goes back to the question like none of us. Where do I feel strongly <laughs> enough and comfortable enough to talk with my kids? Because also like, I don't know that. And I'm okay with not knowing because like, there are other people that uh, approach this topic with more expertise. You know what I yeah. mean? 
but so but it's kind of also like a dunning kruger effect which is the less you know about a subject the more confident you are that you're right yeah until you learn more so that's an that's it too they don't understand they don't research this and when they do research it they research it with the preconceived conclusion in mind yeah. You know, so you're fighting someone's belief and their belief is against your life choice, which is a hard choice. And um, and it's just like an unhealthy situation. And but also remembering like their helps. belief gives them access to something. Their belief gives them access to that community of people, safety in their like family, like their belief is they they're uh not willing to give it up because it's offering something to them it's offering yeah. belonging or power or like and like it doesn't make it right but to just understand that like this is so fascinating to remember that um we always think we're the good guy but can i can i step it up and make it a little complicated for you challenge you yeah. love it okay Here's something that people come to me with a lot. And I obviously have a lot of experience managing this question. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. People come to me with a statement, something like this. I thought I was being the good guy, right? Like I thought choosing abortion was me being the good guy, like doing it to save my marriage, doing it to take better care of the kids I have, doing it to be responsible about finances, right? Like I thought I was the good guy. And now I look back and I see that I caused harm, right? I see that I ended a life. Like the perspective changes once we're past it, once we're through it. And then I have a lot of clients who get hung up on this. Like I thought I was the good guy, but now I look back and I can see I was the bad guy obviously i'm mm -hmm. trying to like use these words bigger because that's how they feel but i yeah. i'm not on the spectrum of any good guy or bad guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> does this question make sense like what do you say to that yeah that's that kind of goes back to the guilt question like what does it change like let's let's take that at face value and say okay fair enough let's agree with that um you thought you were a good guy. You thought you were doing the right thing because you're given situation. Like we were in a toxic relationship. We had two kids that were, and we were fighting a lot and we didn't have, we weren't in a financial good situation. We thought we were doing good. Now yeah. let's imagine, let's play that role. Like now I feel so guilty and I realize I ended a life. Okay. Let's say that's true. Okay. <laughs> Now we what? would get along really well in person. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, let's say that's true. Now, what do we do? Now, what do we do? Exactly. Yeah. How do you we want to honor yes. moving forward? Yeah. And so, yeah. so many it's people struggle with that so much that they, this comes back to a place you mentioned earlier is like, well, the harm you're causing now is your lack of presence with the people in your life, your lack of love for yourself, your lack of, right? Like, mm. let's look at the harm you're causing now, not the harm you think you caused then, or maybe it even, you did cause then, however you want to look at it. Like, 
the beliefs you're holding on to right now are actually creating harm in your real life toward yourself and the people yeah, you care about life. and the yeah. world and w- w- all the things. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and just what do we do now? Like, okay. What do we do now? Like, exactly. Let's, let's, and something maybe that an exercise to do to answer that question is something I've done not to the baby, but I think I've heard people do this. And I've heard that it helped. And you've probably had your clients do this too, is write a letter to the baby. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, just pour your heart out. Yep. Um, is There's that so many ways done? to do that exercise. Write the letter to the baby, write the letter to yourself. To yourself from line. the baby's perspective. There's so many ways to do that exercise. And they are, um, I find with all, I'm a, I'm very much a writer. So like, as soon as I write something down, it's like shit happens. Yeah. Um, but sometimes exercises like that, I'm like, oh yeah, that might be good. Or that'd probably be good. Or I should do that. And then I actually do it. And I'm every single time, like I have lots of experience with writing, becoming healing, but still mm. every single time stuff comes out that I never would have expected mm, ever. Yeah. And I'm a very deep thinker, <laughs> but yeah. until I start writing, I don't get to all the layers. Like, no. And that's just it. That's the beauty. I have my clients do writing too. Um, in fact, I just had someone do this and I, and I'll take your audience through this too. It's when you write things down, it, it makes it cement. It cements it. It makes it concrete and real because, um, and I don't know if you speak other languages. Do you speak any other languages? No, I wish. Yeah. Uh, So like one thing when you're speaking, because I've taught English as a foreign language for 17 years and learned Korean and learned Spanish, like not fluent at all. So like, don't think, but like one thing is when you have a conversation in your head, you speak so fluent. And all of my students had said the same thing. You speak so fluently. But then once it comes out of your mouth, it's like, that didn't sound like that in my head. (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean so like when you write things down it you actually see it it becomes real rather than just this cycle of this like almost a uh what do they call it when you're on facebook and you only get information that supports what you already Uh, confirmation bias yeah well that uh, that's a difference that's like what i was earlier like this sound tunnel or Mm. this is uh well anyway you know what i mean but anyway so this exercise is a letter to write to yourself and it's a letter of forgiveness and i i've worked with parent people who were going through divorces and things like that with this and because i did this for myself and it was so healing mm-hmm. and it was so amazing is i just sat down and said okay so when we ended up separating and everything I wasn't there in a way that she needed so somebody else was so that's the way we ended and as you can imagine I had a lot of rage as you hear a lot as you can imagine a lot of anger like dark dark thoughts and I didn't like where I was going so and I'd imagine people going through abortions or having had an abortion or feeling similar things like rage, anger, guilt, just you want to do harm to somebody. Yeah. Um, so 
but I'm also into really extreme ownership of things. Yes. So what did I do that could have been better that could have led to this? So yeah. how about I list out and I took a yellow legal pad. I listed out and wrote like two pages um, of I forgive myself for, or I forgive me for, yeah. I forgive me for, I forgive me for. And mm -hmm. it's like you mm -hmm. said, it's amazing. The stuff that would come out, the littlest yeah. things, the biggest things. And it was just so relieving. That's so um, good. And it was, I want to add to like extreme ownership without fault coming mm, back yeah, to your without, fault word, yeah. right? It's like, I'm going to take ownership for the way that relationship for my part in the way that relationship ended. It doesn't mean it's my fault. Right. Right. It just means I'm going to use it as an experience to understand how I showed up and how I might want to show honor my future is part four of my honor your abortion series <laughs> awesome how i want to honor my future understanding what peace i had in that ownership right it's like so oh so good so good yeah 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 i love that it's the difference between like blame and responsibility yeah you know yeah yeah okay well as with all my guests my client, my uh, listeners are probably sick of me saying this. I could talk to you for hours, but we do need to wrap up. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about your guilt work, your parenting work? Um, yeah, we connected can on do that. Yeah. Facebook, um, Jesse J. Swede, S-W-E-E. Mm -hmm. e. Yeah. Um, and on there, I have a document, a PDF that I created with a bunch of these uh, negative self-talk that we do that keep us stuck in this negative loop but also kind of like what it, i shared earlier it's nobody's fault it happened and other yeah. sentence patterns that i use with my kids that i love it when they use it with each other and they use it with me and it's just like it builds a family culture and i have that too that's on my on my uh profile yeah and so i just say to everyone like this is the value of being like of, of personal growth and just curiosity and exploration, like go into all Jesse's resources and apply it to abortion and then apply it to work and then apply it to, right. It's like, yeah. be creative enough with your, and trust yourself enough to like, go, Oh, that this resource wasn't written for me, but here's how I'm going to use it. Right. Like yeah. there's so much out there that can help you and um, reach out to either of us if we can help you directly. But thank you so much for this. This was great. This was I'm awesome. excited to add it. Yeah. 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 And for just one more thing, like forgive yourself, like yep. anyone listening, forgive yourself. Um, it happened and, yeah. and forgive yourself. Like, yeah. Honor that thing, honor yourself and the decision and um, see how your life, you know, gets better. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Later. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, 
head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.